Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing both Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, happy new year to you. Thank you. I can't believe we're in 2021. Yes, I'm, I'm glad we made it. Uh, let's, let's turn the page here. Let's get everyone vaccinated and let's, let's go back to 2019, right? <laughs> Right? How often do we want to go back in time? Well, I guess some people may, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully a year of recovery for our nation, for families who've lost loved ones, and I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that 2021 just brings a lot of positivity to our world. So hopeful for the new year. I know we're always feeling that way at the beginning of a year, but I think this year more than ever. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a new year theme here to start the show. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about a new plan maybe for a new year for estate planning and understanding uh, when it comes to our legal documents, what COVID-19 and the role that 2020 may have played into that. And to have a thorough discussion on this, we need to welcome in a, a good friend of the show that we always love having him on the program, and that is Adam Hoppler. He's a partner with Hoppler, Wilms, and Hannah. Adam, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Yeah, thank you, Jason. It's always a pleasure to have you here, and uh, I love your theme for this uh, episode, which is 2020 threw us all some curveballs. Well, isn't that the truth? That's the most, yeah. That is one of the most understated statements I've, I've read. So definitely appreciate your perspective on how 2020 threw folks curveballs, not only in their personal lives, but also related to legal matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it has been, uh, been a year. Um, you know, I guess a knock on wood to uh, what uh, y'all were saying earlier. We've still got a day to go to hit uh, 2021. Um, I think we're going to make it, but uh yeah, it's just been so crazy, so many unexpected things. And so I hope today to kind of talk through some of the things that I've experienced and, and seeing how plans have been in play or not been in play um, as examples for uh, going forward um, and, and thinking about how we can, uh, you know, again, just, just look into the future uh, and uh, making sure we're as prepared as we can be. And I think most uh, human beings really don't think about a potential, you know, impending pandemic or crisis uh, on a day-to-day basis, especially if they feel like they're relatively healthy and young. But I will tell you, I'm one of those rare, strange people. I have a book uh, up in my closet in my bedroom that says The Drop Dead Book. And in it, it has every single thing that anybody needs to know if I were to suddenly drop dead, you know, if I were hit by a bus or whatever it may be. And funny thing is uh, my my middle child, I was putting a document in the drop dead book. I just, can't, you know, I'm always updating it with new things that I might have going on. And he was like, Mom, what is that book? I said, it's my drop dead book. Well, what is it? So I had to explain to him exactly what it was all about. He goes, you're not dying. Are you? I said, no, no, honey, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's 14 and he's kind of like, this is a strange thing that you have in your closet. Why is that there? But I think if anything, um, 
we were taught in 2020 is really to prepare for the unexpected. So what I'm hoping to hear from you today is that the events of 2020 have really made people think about the future and contemplate things that maybe they wouldn't have contemplated for many years to come. Yeah, uh, and I think one way that we might look at 2020, um, and, you know, I feel like there's been several memes to this effect, but just everything being truncated and all the things that could possibly happen all happening at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in a lot of ways, what we have faced is not necessarily unique, um, but it's just all of it all at once and so many different things happening all at the same time uh, that's really kind of thrown us out. And so I think as we're kind of talking today, one of the themes we'll get to is that um, these things are not going to go away. You know, the issues that we've had to face this year, it's just what we're hoping is maybe they'll slow down a little bit. Uh, You know, perhaps we can take them in pace um, instead of, again, having to deal with everything rapidly and quickly and um, uh, in such an excited fashion. And, you know, obviously, statistically, the COVID-19 virus has really impacted people over the age of 75 very significantly with the mortality rate being incredibly high. However, there are an awful lot of people that while, yes, they recover that are younger, a lot of people are spending lengthy times in the hospital. Um, and, and these are t- types of scenarios that people were not really expecting to see or experience. I mean, if I look at my own social media feed, I see person after person after person that has a loved one or somebody I may have known that has, has had a, a lengthy stay in a hospital. And sometimes during that time, they're temporarily unable to make some of their own decisions. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, if you haven't prepared for that, what could happen? Yeah, um, and, and I think it'd be helpful for a minute just to kind of talk about, you know, well, what are the the things that a person does to deal with those kinds of mm-hmm. scenarios? Um, and uh, when we talk about estate planning, many times we're focused on the the big one, the last will and testament, and that's where our mind goes to, and and that's definitely important. Um, you know, you, you want to have a plan for your loved ones that you may leave behind, you know, kind of like your, your drop dead book that you were talking about, <laughs> right? Um, you, you don't want to just leave them grasping at straws as to what, what they need to do in that kind of a scenario. But I would argue equally, if not of greater importance, is the idea of having powers of attorney in play. Um, and so in North Carolina, we separate these into financial power of attorney, or the durable general is the fancy word that gets used, and then health care power of attorney. Um, and each of those helps a person essentially copy the authority, the ability to make decisions, and hand it to somebody else. Um, so that very scenario that you were just talking about there is what would help an individual in a, a period of um, incapacity or just constraint um, be able to deal with scenarios. Um, and so uh, when we, some of the language that we use today, you know, when I'm talking about a, a power of attorney, um, that's what we're discussing is the idea of like myself saying, I'm going to give my wife or another loved one the ability to make my decisions as if I was standing there somewhere else. And I think 2020 has helped to highlight why you might want to have that in play maybe even if you're not incapacitated. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times people are afraid of putting some of these documents together. They're afraid of having some of these conversations with loved ones. Nobody really wants to face their own mortality. I mean, there are the oddballs like me that I'm at peace with that. But I think a lot of people are just really hesitant to even have those conversations about what it is they may or may not want and who they feel should or shouldn't be in control of their finances. But I think if you don't lay the groundwork with loved ones or friends or business partners or whatever it may be in in the beginning, then it leaves for a lot of confusion and assumptions when the time comes when there's a crisis. Yeah, exactly. And so on that idea of even – you know who do I, who do I trust, or who can I trust? Um, you know, because when you talk about the idea abstractly, you know, I'm going to give my decision-making authority to someone else. I mean, that sounds very daunting, and it sounds scary, and it sounds ripe for abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we uh, we definitely want to think carefully about how we're doing it. But like you're saying, we don't want to just avoid the conversation uh, altogether. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're, you know, myself and the others at my firm and other estate planning attorneys are trying to help people to do is to, to talk through the scenario to really begin to voice what is your situation. Because um, oftentimes I'll find that there are actually people that you trust. And when you take it out of the abstract of giving somebody else authority to giving, you know, for example, your wife or your brother or maybe a parent um, authority, that doesn't seem so scary if that level of trust is is actually present. Yeah, and I think also removing the parameters of the who these people have to be. It doesn't have to be your eldest child. It doesn't have to be your wife. It doesn't have to be your husband. Some of these people may or may not be the right people to make these decisions in a crisis. And I think I'd love to explore a little bit more about that in just a moment. Yeah, we will continue our conversation with Adam, Adam Hopler. He is a partner with the law firm Hopler, Wilms, and Hannah. And we're talking all about planning and estate planning when it comes to the new year, making sure that your legal documents are in order. We'll have more with Adam right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Don't forget, you can always find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest on the line is Adam Hopler. He's a partner at the law firm Hopler, Wilms, and Hannah, and we're having a discussion all about legal documents and making sure that we've got our planning and estate planning in order for the upcoming year. That might have been a, a New Year's resolution of yours. So, we're, we're Nicole, we're trying to make sure that we, we hit those benchmarks and hit them early. You know, I think something that we don't often think about, but my goodness, don't we all know that small 
businesses and family businesses make up the backbone of, of really the economy of our country. We always think about the really big businesses, but what happens if a sudden tra- tra- tragedy happens in a small business family scenario, Adam? Yeah, um, that's uh, a very good question. I mean, uh, we've, we've definitely experienced as a, you know, as a nation, as a, in our state, the idea of companies just being completely shut down, which mm-hmm. is dramatic, shocking, um, to suddenly be told, no, you, you can't even go to work. Um, and while that, that's a, certainly a very unique scenario, um, I guess microcosms of that have always been a danger to the small business, and uh, it's, again, been exacerbated this year just in the sheer number. But the idea uh, could very well be something as simple as um, a business that's run by a father, say, a uh, a plumbing uh, business, yep. uh, and uh, the individual that you know goes from home to home, um, and uh, it's probably not unlikely that he has a, a son or, or maybe a, a brother or, or other relative of his that that works alongside of him. Um, but ultimately, it was that 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 owner that set the business up, right? That created the bank account that put in the legal documentation that even formed it, um, that pays all of the bills, um, that processes the payments, um, basically does all of the operation. And so you may have family members that are heavily dependent on that individual being functional. Um, And so then 2020 hits, uh, and you find yourself that person being exposed to uh, COVID-19, and now they're, they're hospitalized for some undefined period of time. Uh, so that that business it now faces some real some real issues. How do we how do we take payments? Once mm-hmm. we take payments, what do we do with them? Um, you know, if we're paying for materials and things that we need to be able to go into somebody's home, how do we pay with them? Do we have the authority to to do that? How you know? Can we just take a credit card that doesn't have my name? <laughs> Is that a good idea? Um, you know, you start facing a lot of ethical quandaries um, and putting yourself in an odd spot because you're trying to do the right thing. You want to continue the right. business. You don't want to lose it. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're faced with this conundrum of you don't really have the ability to do these things. Um, so as a business, um, the, the issues are actually really complex because not only do you have the, the issue of the individual and being able to make decisions for that person, right? Because, the, you know, the person who's out is not just a business owner. They're an individual as well, and they have to manage their own individual problems. And so a power of attorney for, for finances would come into play um, for being able to say, um, uh, you know, paying their own bills, you know, keeping their own house afloat, so to speak. Um, and a power of attorney may have some effect within the business, but you now have to ask yourself, well, how was that business formed? Um, was it set up and registered with the North Carolina Secretary of State? Mm-hmm. Um, is it an LC? Is it a corporate entity? Um, or is this person just acting on their own as a freestanding sole proprietorship? And yep. a power of attorney is going to be all that's necessary. Your, your business uh, employees, uh, they may not even know the answers to those questions. Half the time, it's possible that you might not remember exactly right? totally. how it was if it is small enough. Um, and so you're, you're kind of – everybody is at a loss as to what to do. Um, and it really begins to highlight the necessity for business owners having a, a pretty um, acute conversation um, with an attorney 
about that interplay of what we call in the business realm, business succession planning. Exactly. Um, yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I know a lot of businesses, mid-sized, large and small, really don't do a great job of succession planning. You know, who would take this person's place in the event of? People don't like to think about that, right? And so I think yeah. then, then when there's the sudden need, people are just reeling with, oh my gosh, we don't even, is there another signer on this account? Is, you know, how do we even get the login for the online bank account? Things of that nature. So I definitely can appreciate that and, and fully can relate to the need for succession planning. Yeah. And so um, what you uh, begin to find is that that particular topic of conversation is a, is a, is a unique one. And, and not, uh, not every attorney that does estate planning uh, is comfortable with having conversations about business succession planning because that sounds like business law. Mm-hmm. But then when you go to a business law attorney, uh, you'll find that many times they're uncomfortable with that conversation because it sounds a lot like estate planning. Um, <laughs> and they're not doing wills and powers of attorney and things of that sort. Uh, so finding a, a firm um, like ours, and we're not the only one, but that has both estate planning attorneys and business law attorneys is helpful so you can have that, that back and forth conversation um, as needed. Um, so that, I mean, that's definitely been... Um, something that we've run into both in the standpoint of people being prepared, having done the work, and kind of calling and asking questions about, hey, how does this work and what do we do now? And just being able to explain, you know, step one, step two, because it's already in play. Um, and they, oh, great, good, you know, kind of moving along to the call about, we have no idea what's happening right now. We don't know that any kind of planning has been put in play. You know, what is it that we need to do? Um, and that's going to be such a fact-specific scenario because with COVID-19, I mean, you just don't know uh, somebody's going to walk into the hospital and maybe walk right back out. Right. Or they're going to walk in and they're going to have some significant issues that go for months or longer. Um, and so you kind of have to decide uh, how do you respond based upon what you know in that specific, you know, fact scenario. I'd love to touch on that sudden and temporary need for emergency medical decision making. You know, in, in my family, luckily, right. my husband and I both have um, health care power of attorneys, durable power, uh, financial power of attorneys. We have living wills. And we're very explicit in what we would and wouldn't want in our living wills, for example. And, you know, my husband doesn't mind that I talk about this, but one of his things in his living will is, you know, he doesn't want any extraordinary measures at all. So when COVID started to crop up, I looked over at him one day and I'm like, so if you get COVID and you're in the hospital and they want to put you on ventilator, are you still saying that you don't want that? And so that kind of opened up, you know, even when you have some of these things in place, having some deeper conversations about, you know, in this scenario, in the COVID-19 pandemic world, you know, do you still feel the same? Because this is a real possibility. You never really know. Every day when you walk into a store, walk into here in the radio station, you know, are you going to contract the virus? And so, and then we really don't know how our bodies are going to react to it. We make assumptions that we'll be fine because we're healthy, but we may not be fine. So, Kind of talk to us a little bit about that process of sort of, you know, suddenly, like you said, walking into the hospital thinking you're going to walk right back out. But then the next thing you know, you decompensate and now you're in the hospital. You can't have a visitor because it's a COVID diagnosis. How do we handle this sudden temporary uh, medical decision making? 
Yeah, um, I mean, this has been such a, a convoluted question um, because under normal circumstances, uh, this requires real thought to kind of work through when you're discussing um, your advanced directives about what to do in the instance that you are um, uh, unable to recover, basically, right? You know, comatose or you uh, contracted a disease that's likely to result in your death. Um, you know, how do you want to deal with that scenario? Um, you know, when we're when we're going through the analysis and having the conversation for a healthcare power of attorney that has those directives in it, or just a freestanding uh, living will uh, conversation, uh, it's always important to first note that the idea of a doctor taking an advanced directive that's in one of these documents only even becomes a question if you yourself are unable to communicate what you want, right? Um, and so that's there's some assurance there that you know if you're experiencing uh, you know, COVID-19 and it's not incapacitated you to the point where you can't communicate for yourself, um, you're able to express your own wishes and desires, that's always going to control, right? And so that's, that's good to know that it's not like by executing one of these documents that you're giving them some authority to override what you want, right? That's, that's not the case. Um, but you're right, it does sometimes result, uh, uh, COVID or, any, or many other things, in the instance that you are actually incapacitated and you, you can't express your wishes. And so um, when we don't have clarity uh, because of a, a document that's been uh, pre-executed, um, we now have to actually look at statute to try and figure out who are the, the people that we would uh, examine about this particular question. And statute is sometimes uh, hard to follow. Uh, you know, if you have a spouse, that might be pretty straightforward. But uh, if you don't, we may be looking at children and trying to figure out how many do you have and what would be the majority of them or, you know, potentially siblings and what would be the majority of them, um, et cetera. You know, and trying to verify whether people are in existence or not, um, you know, depending on who is uh, reporting that information to the hospital um, and so we really want to get away from having that kind of ambiguity of not even knowing who do we consult. Like if you're a doctor and you have a person on your bed and they're non-responsive and you're trying to figure out what exactly you're permitted to do, uh, it's much better to have on file something that says person A, person exactly. B, person C, yeah. in that order, right. as opposed to trying to check some statutory ranking and trying to make phone calls and trying to verify information secondhand from somebody else, right? Yeah, yeah. you want that control and you want to be able to execute your plans the way you want to. And, you know, COVID-19 may be a way to uh, kind of ease into those conversations and discussions with our loved ones. Adam, apologize. We're out of time here, but I do want to thank you for joining us today. He is Adam Hop Hopler, partner with the law firm Hopler, Wilms & Hanna. You can find more about them online at hoplerwilms.com, hoplerwilms.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News, talk, traffic. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to turn our focus now on to family care homes and uh, residential care homes. This is a topic that uh, we haven't explored in a while. And so I'm happy to have on the line here with us Anne-Marie Casella. She is owner and operator of Lynn's Care Village Association. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I really, really love the model of the family care home, that really small, intimate setting of a group of uh, residents that are together with a staff that is consistent day in and day out, just receiving a lot of that personalized, individualized care. And I think, you know, going into the future when we're looking at long-term care in 2021 and beyond, I really think that, you know, family care homes are going to have an ever-growing presence as a solution to helping to provide care for our most sacred elders in our in our community and in our nation. Nicole, I think you're trying to take my job. <laughs> I don't think so. That was perfection. Oh. Well, <laughs> that was a great way to describe um, certainly what we do. And it is also uh, very important to know, too, that there are specific types of residents, especially residents with cognitive impairments, with memory issues, that really need that intimate care connect. Their confusion does not really allow them to navigate far. Um, so having a small resident to staff ratio allows those types of residents to get the close care that they also need to thrive. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times families are sort of in this quandary when it is just such a day in and day out, never ending cycle of care in their home. And, and sometimes families just get to that point where they just feel like they can't do it. And, you know, um, assisted living communities or uh, other long term care community style organizations that have, you know, some of the larger populations are just not the right fit for every personality. And so families oftentimes don't know what they don't know, and they don't know family care homes exist. So I'm super excited to really highlight what a family care home can do and how this could be, you know, the next best thing to being at home with a loved one. And frankly, for a lot of people, um, moving into a family care home may even be better than staying at home because you do have some of that socialization and then that spouse or that daughter or son can go back to just being that family member versus the caregiver. I agree. And we say it all the time that very often we are considered the extension of the family. We are mom's house, or we are dad's house, or we are grandpa's house, or grandma's house. So they do have that separation that the family can conduct their own um, things that they need to do within their own structure, being the children. And oftentimes the children have their own children. So for mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or aunt or uncle to also have their own home with their own assistance, it really does bring the family structure back to a more healthy balance versus the, the, the poor, burnt out, you know, siblings taking turns every weekend disrupting their own lives. 
and I and think just also being in that small environment is also just so helpful. And it looks like their home. Right. Right. You and, know, yeah. And they're it, coming from their home to our home, and it looks very much like potentially a home they grew up in. Exactly. Exactly. Where people gather around the kitchen table and they make a meal together, and there's friendships and and just you know small games and activities going on in the family room. Family care homes are quite quite cozy and and beautiful places if if they're designed appropriately, and you know they they have that heart of the staff that work within them. So I think it's important for folks listening to understand understand what a family care home is and what it is not. So family care homes are not just these random houses and neighborhoods that you just say, hey, move in five different people and let's just call this a place where people can live and grow old together, correct? Correct. The residential building code in a um, indicated jurisdiction would be the ones to dictate what the distance um, locations are. You cannot be a certain distance from another care home or another supportive housing unit. They are typically, though, designed as one floor, uh, usually a ranch um, design, and they have to be fully inspected and um, approved uh, by not only the jurisdiction, but also the department, the jurisdiction that's going to reside over the Department of Health and Human Service regulations. Um, one thing that does differentiate at this time a residential care home from other types of care. The residential care home really is focusing on providing activities for daily living assistance with a resident. Um, I would not exactly define a a family care home as a skilled nursing home. Right. We are not a skilled care facility. Some skills that are not as invasive or not as sophisticated that are considered nursing skills can be performed with nurse training for the staff and nurse oversight, Um, but we are not a provider of heavy skilled nursing care at this time. One of the things that I often talk to family caregivers about is honesty. Being honest about the actual condition and needs of your loved one. I think sometimes people are so desperate and so burned out uh, with their caregiving journey that they just not trying to really deceive, but they just want their loved one placed and cared for, and they're worried about talking about some of maybe the embarrassing habits or some of the trials and tribulations they face in a day-to-day basis at home. Then they get placed, and then that placement doesn't work, and then they get angry or upset with the placement for telling them that the loved one now has to move out. You know, honesty is so incredibly important, especially when you're trying to bring a loved one into a small knit group where people need to really fit in together and blend. I agree. Transparency from the beginning and asking the right questions um, on the facilities part when they're conducting assessments is very important because while, as you said, the family member, of course, wants the best level of care for their loved one, but by not being clear on what those care needs are, they could actually end up getting poor care because the um, facility wasn't informed of what the actual needs were. Exactly. So what is the process of an admission to a family care home like? Is it similar to an admission to other long-term care communities? Is it different in any way? If you could talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. I can certainly at least speak for the family care home. I have never done an assessment um, in any other structure because this is my life (laughs) for the last 10 years in the small care home sector. Um, But we are required 
just as large buildings are required for um, collection of specific documentation that's presented to us by the state, documents um, intake to review prior to admission, such as an FL2, um, the medication list. Um, you would also want an assessment of where they currently reside, whether that be from the home care agency that's caring from them, for them or the assisted living or the memory unit that they're currently living in or rehab, whatever. You just really want to do as much homework as you can to get the most full picture of this resident's needs, their personality, uh, what they enjoy socially, what type of foods they like to eat. So it's just very important to make sure you research the whole resident before you decide if it's a right fit uh, for them as well as for the facility. And also payment, right? So are our family mm -hmm. care homes all typically paid uh, privately or are you able to accept any type of insurances or Medicaid? The majority of assistance um, in family care homes or private pay. There are a, a small percentage of care homes that do accept um, Medicaid as well as personal care. Uh, services reimbursement. That's not really the norm though. The majority are going to be that private pay income source. We also have been approved uh, through companies like uh, John Hancock, um, New York Life for uh, long-term care uh, policies. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you just need to check your individual policy and then people also do qualify for the uh, VA uh, spouse and veteran benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, if they are placed in a residential care home. And I can there are a couple of other ways that they can be reimbursed. I can well imagine, you know, based off of what we've seen at Transitions Guiding Lights with a tremendous influx of family caregivers during the COVID-19 pandemic seeking uh, in-home care options uh, just because of um, a fear of, of placing a loved one during this time. Um, I can imagine that, though, in the family care home that you've seen an influx in p people potentially looking at, at a family care home as an option just because of the smaller size and the intimate nature and probably the ability to have more control of the comings and goings of, of folks and the limited number of staff that you have. Is that an accurate assessment? Absolutely. Um, a very, um, the, the majority of residential care facilities across the country um, have been able to uh, keep COVID out. That's phenomenal. Buildings. That's phenomenal. And you're also part it's of the list. Impressive. You're also part of the list of, of organizations that will be receiving, among the first to be receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. So definitely hoping that we are going to have a brighter 2021. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. She is Anne-Marie Casella, owner and operator of Lynn's Care Village Association. You can find more about them online at lynnscarevillage.com. That's L-Y-N-N-S-C-A-R-E village.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News talk traffic this is aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with nicole cleggett and jason kong welcome back to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with 
Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, you know, we mentioned it at the top of the show. We are now in 2021. And uh, this was a, a different holiday season as, you know, I'm sure a lot of us maybe limited our travel more than we are used to. And, um, you know, maybe some of us resorted to Zoom, but maybe we still got a little contact with our family members. And this is always a time that we discuss on the program when, um, you know, it's it's important to assess the health and conditions of our loved ones. Yeah. And so, you know, whether it was via Zoom or whether you were super careful, I saw a lot of things on social media where there were porch visits and opening gifts, you know, from a distance, things of that nature. Um, but, you know, seeing a family member that is aging for the first time in a really long time has really opened the eyes of our, our family caregivers. We're seeing this at Transitions Life Care. Our phones are lighting up nonstop with family members saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I feel like my loved one has really changed over this last year. And, you know, some of it may be the normal aging process. Some of it may be you know, that chronic condition that they're they're living with is just progressed. Some of it may be the impact of the isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic. All of those things have really led family caregivers to realize, you know, it might be time to sort of take a calculated risk and potentially bring in care or find care for their loved ones. So for those of you listening today, there are a number of things that you can look at and think about when you're thinking about an aging loved one to help you determine whether or not it may be time to get some assistance. And I know these are really, really hard conversations to have with family members. I know family members oftentimes are afraid to be honest about what's really going on in their home because, frankly, they're are worried about losing control. I mean, who wants to be told they can't drive anymore? Who wants to be told, you know, their hygiene isn't really looking as great as it once was? I mean, all of these things are embarrassing and they're also scary because the more things that get taken away, the, the less the, that person may be able to remain at home. But on the flip side, adding in a, in a little bit of that assistance can really help provide that individual with uh, the ability to actually rebound and actually stay wherever they're calling home longer. So some of the things that you really want to look out for, uh, number one, are, are cluttered homes, right? So a cluttered home, obviously, I'm not talking about an episode of Hoarders, but maybe that is <laughs> your, your reality. And, and I, sometimes I look at my husband and say, if I did not live here, this is what this would be, because I've looked at his garage and I turn around and walk out. But, you know, a cluttered home is – is definitely if it's a change for that person, right? So if, if suddenly they were as, uh, they were in the past neat as a pin and now you're just finding stacks of mail everywhere and the, the trash isn't being tank- taken out the way it once was and, you know, people are using that clutter to really help them navigate around the home as sort of instead of having, you know, um, a handrail on the, on the wall that you'd find in assisted living, they're using stacks of books and things like that. Those are all signs right there that a person may be needing some more assistance. And so maybe that means you call in a maid service to come in. Maybe that means you get an evaluation for occupational or physical therapy to see if there are some issues with that person being able to rise up out of that one chair, that their comfy big sofa chair that they've loved forever. Maybe it's time for that person to get something that will help them assist them from a seated position to a standing position. Some, some of these things don't mean we have to make a huge drastic change. Sometimes little fixes really make all the difference in the world. But a cluttered home is really one of the top causes for falls. And we all know 
know that falls are the leading cause of one of the leading causes of death for older adults, but it's also the leading cause of decreased mobility and loss of independence. So if you have a fall, chances are you're going to have a hospitalization. And if you have a hospitalization, chances are you're going to have a rehab stay. And if you have a rehab stay, chances are you're not going to go back home and you're going to end up being placed in a a long-term care community. So we definitely want to avoid a fall at all risk. Um, Poor hygiene, right? So we talked about that. So if mom was always absolutely neat as a pin and suddenly when you're seeing her on zooms she's just not doing her hair now now hold on because (laughs) i don't know if i'm the best at doing my hair these days every single day because we're all living on zoom but if if this is a huge change for your loved one and they're just looking unkept it's looking like they have food spillage on the front of their shirt and they would have never shown themselves like that. Or, you know, perhaps you're smelling the smell of urine uh, on them, or you're finding that they're having more accidents. Those are signs that they also may need some more help. And again, this doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I have to place my mom or dad. This may mean you can bring in some community-based supports that might be able to assist that person just a little bit, just to help them kind of boost up and, and be back to where they were at. Obviously, problems driving are are huge issues. So if you're finding that there are um, little dings or dents in the vehicle, um, uh, you know, that the person drives or, you know, like my grandmother drove through a hairdresser's window. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, that was that was an interesting day. Um, And and, and she didn't get a ticket. And I'm (laughs) So anyway, that that was way back when. Um, my, my my children often say, back in the old days, I'm like, I'm not that old. Just stop. We had TV <laughs> and it was before, color. <laughs> before the internet in the dark ages. Exactly. Like their biggest concern is the buffering of their video games. And I'm like, I don't even know what a buffer is, but I think it's bad if it doesn't work. So anyway, but you know, if you're starting to find that they're having more dings in their vehicles or they're getting into accidents or they're getting lost when they're going to a, a place that they've always gone. They've always goes to the post office every day and they can't find their way home or they're always going to the grocery store every day and they can't find their way home. That is definitely a sign that, you know, we've got something going on here that we need to look into for sure. Yeah, those are great suggestions, Nicole. And being observant and looking for these signs is, is so key because that can lead to conversations. And then, you, can, as you said, uh, as opposed to letting things get to a crisis point, you can kind of nip them in the bud and find solutions along the way. We're Almost out of time here, Nicole, but we've, we've got some housekeeping we need to get to. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, yeah. We, we've <laughs> got to break the news that, Nicole, uh, we, we've only got a couple more shows here of yep. Aging Matters with you as you uh, are going to be going on a, a new venture of your yes. own. But uh, it's it's been wonderful working with you, and I've, I'm excited for uh, the new direction of the show. But, um, yeah, we, we've only got a couple more shows with you. This show and, and then the one next week. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know, this has been an amazing journey. I've been on radio since 2008 um, here for the last several years. And um, I love, love, love the fact that we've been able to educate all of you listeners about the different resources and ways that you can provide care for an aging loved one. But super excited that Transitions Life Care will continue to be the sponsor of the show. And they're working towards... Um, finding a new host and maybe even a co-host for the show to really keep things going for the community because we know it is very much beloved in our community. And I have 
amazing faith that it will be uh, as wonderful as it's been and if not even better. And so super excited about the direction the show will be taking and you all will will see me in the future. Um, but um, yeah, this has been great. It's been wonderful working with you and then Scott before you and you know, WPTF has been an amazing partner in the community for getting the word out about the show even before it had a sponsor. So that's that just speaks to the amazing management over here at WPTF, believing that this is something that the community needs. Yeah, and I, I speak for the whole WPTF family, and that we're, we're going to miss you, but we're very happy for you. And uh, you know, you've you've done such a wonderful job with this show and uh, the services that you've provided to this community. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and speak for the the folks downstairs in the building too, the Sinclair CW folks for Marge. You know, we're oh, Marge. we're, we're going to miss seeing you around uh, here on the weekends. But uh, as you said, it's. Uh, uh, we've got some big plans for 2021 for Aging Matters, so we'll uh, we'll reveal more of that next week. I know. It's a cliffhanger. That's right. Stay tuned. <laughs> well, we do have to get out of here. I want to thank our guests this afternoon. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to TransitionsLifeCare.org.